What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos currently ages 8 to 14 and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 17th year of marriage. So yeah, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood. I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fatherhood matters. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and have fun in the messiness of it all. I'm really excited for you to get to know today's guest, Kyler Burke. He is a helicopter pilot who is an aerial firefighter, and when he's not out flying into smoke and flames to serve and protect, he is a husband and an engaged father. We go deep talking about growing up without a father present and the work he did to become the husband and father that he always desired to be. Enjoy this conversation with my new friend, Kyler. All right, I'm already smiling. Another Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. I can't help but smile because I love talking about fatherhood. And I'm really pumped to be talking to my new friend, Kyler Burke. What's up, Kyler? How are you today? Hey, Ned. I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm super stoked to be here and meeting you and chatting us up because this has uh, been a really important uh, resource to me. Awesome, dude. And I love it. And you know what? That's really when I went into like writing the book and starting the podcast. I mean, it all just kind of happened. And my intent was never... Uh, like, I'm just going to get famous people to be on my podcast that every, you know, and just, I, of course I would love to do that because it'll spread the word, but it's like my high school buddy, Nathan turns you onto the podcast. You've listened to a bunch of the podcasts. We've sent yeah. messages back and forth. And then here we are just like, dude, let's talk fatherhood and share it with the world. Totally. Totally. And I'm sure you're famous in your world, but no. you know, the yeah. point is that the point is that, uh, all of us dads face the same stuff, whether, you know, it doesn't matter your job title, your bank account, any of that stuff. We face the same stuff and everybody totally. has a story and we could all learn from it. Totally. Dude. Totally. And, you, and, and uh, you know, uh, you've had some really cool guys on here, normal Joes like me and, yeah. and some famous people too. It's pretty cool to, to be in the midst of all these guys to share that we really are, like you said, all going through fatherhood no one gets to skip it once they make kids you know you're, you're in it <laughs> everybody's kid poops cries and goes through puberty so that's right, that's right. We're, we're all dealing with some stuff uh and really ultimately you know this isn't a parenting podcast this is a who are you look in the mirror be the man that you were designed to be because one as i embrace that i my life feels fulfilled regardless of my bank account or like who knows me you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, dude, that's the point. Well, cool, man. I'm stoked to get to know you. So I'm going to just rapid fire a few questions so like, yeah. people can get to know you. How old are you? I'm 36. 36. Nice. Yeah. With yeah. a full, gray. stylish, gray beard. Yeah. I love it. That's right. I um, I got the patches of gray. You do. I got the full, the full committal there. You're sporting it well, man. You're sporting it well. <laughs> you got a touch, a touch of gray. A touch of gray, but you, you definitely got the wisdom in there. Uh, how many years have you been married? 
We had our 15th anniversary in September. So we were married at 21 and 22 years old. I'm the younger. And we were together from 16. I was 16 when we got together at junior and high school. And uh, we were high school sweethearts, five years dating. Uh, It's probably four years too long. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we've been together basically as long as we've been adults. So, Okay, so when you were a junior... Was she a senior or was she graduated? She was a senior. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had a, I had a, I I met her and and started dating her just after her 18th birthday. I had a senior girlfriend with a 66 Mustang (laughs) and, uh, and she was then 18 and I was 16. So that felt pretty cool. Yeah. Heck yeah. It is cool. (laughs) So you've been married for 15 years, man. Awesome. Past that 10 year mark. Now you're at the 15. Dude, that's solid. It's crazy. You know, you're 36, you said, and you've been dating since you're 16. It's like yeah. you've passed that mark where you've been together longer than you've been apart, which is a really kind of a strange thing. It is weird, huh? Yeah. yeah dude, we had that realization. We're like, man, I've, I've, it was, I've known you longer than I've not known you. And then it was, I've been with you longer than I, and, and all the important milestones that we've gone through in our life in young adulthood, adolescence, all this stuff for the most part have been together, you know? So. Yeah. For better or for worse, but it, yeah. in, in the long run, it's proved to be for the better. So, dude, awesome! And how many kids do you guys have? We have two boys, uh, a ten-year-old and a seven-year-old. Okay, ten and seven, both yeah. boys. All right, man, I love it. And then, what do you do for a living when you're not awesome husband, awesome dad? What are you out doing to provide for the family? Uh, I'm a helicopter pilot, and uh, I primarily do aerial firefighting and uh work for a company here in the voice area and yeah uh, uh, basically you just say it like i I work in a building in a corporate (laughs) office it's it's such a badass job (laughs) flying a helicopter into smoke and flames uh so i'm sure you have tons of gnarly stories about it but what got you into that uh well i actually i grew up in southern california on catalina island and so So I was around helicopters. Uh, I didn't have anybody in my family that did it. But from a young age, uh, my mom had a business on the mainland and we would travel back and forth quite a bit. And so uh, in the earlier years, when I was just a little tyke, it was it was affordable for us to hop the helicopter instead of taking the ferry over. Uh, so it was kind of fortuitous because it got That's me hooked cool. on the idea. So from uh, younger than my kids age is the one thing I always want to do is being grown up underneath them flying over me every day. So. Yeah. Okay, so you always wanted to fly helicopters, and then what made you take it to that next level of intensity and go, I want to fly helicopters into fires? I actually thought I never wanted to do this, actually. Okay. And, you know, and uh, <laughs> even to the extent that when I go camping, I always thought somehow the smoke always blows in my direction, you know, when you're sitting around the campfire. I'm like, I hate that, you know? Yeah. So I didn't care for uh, smelling like smoke, and I didn't, you know, I didn't think I was going to fight fire the helicopters, but. Uh, I was living in Redding, California in 2008. And if you remember, 2008 was like a, a record fire season uh, for the West mm. Coast. So there's this huge uh, lightning complex that came through. And uh, and so I was a flight instructor at that time. And just all these helicopters and airplanes were just, you know, coming into Redding and all the airports around that area. And it just kind of fell in my lap. And there was just so much iron there. And I was kind of meeting people uh, and networking and, and one thing led to the next. And I heard that this company needed a, a kind of a backup co-pilot. And I thought, well, that's a good, you know, low commitment way to taste this, to see if that's something, yeah. you know, on the side of being a flight instructor, if I could do it. And I did it that season, uh, filled in for a guy while he had to get some time off. 
and loved it. And it began a very difficult, long pursuit to try and get into it and get established in it. But uh, that's, it was just kind of trial by fire, uh, no pun intended. And yeah. and uh, yeah, it's been 12 years running now. Awesome. And then how does your wife feel about it? Like she stoked on it or what? At first it was, you know, a struggle because it, it means a lot of traveling and a lot of, mm. you know, like it's kind of feast and famine in a way you, you know, you make hay while the sun shines uh, in the summertime. So you're gone a lot and uh, you're paying dues as a young guy trying to get into an industry and everything. So you just say yes to all the work and everything. So initially, uh, she wasn't the biggest fan of it, but it developed into something that we could, you know, we could make it work for us. And then it got, it, you know, in the recent years, it's been a lot sweeter. Um, but it has also provided for us to where, by choice, my wife you know, has stayed home with our boys since our 10 year old was born. And it has been able to make that happen. So um, yeah, it, it's definitely tried us. I imagine you probably asked because of the kind of in, inherent risk factor or whatever. Yeah, sure. but, but it's funny. She's, she told me one time years later after I was a had been a flight instructor that she prays that she was praying that God would give me opportunities to get scared but learn from it and not die. You know, basically she's like, I'm I'm praying for challenges for you to make you a better pilot. You know, uh, and, cool. and I'm like, she tells me it's like six months after I had some these really hairy events with a with a student. <laughs> I'm like, well, thanks a lot. You probably caused that. You know, but <laughs> she she has been a huge supporter. Uh, she's been through. She's put up with a lot, but it's also made us stronger and, and it's, it's been good overall. Mm, dude, sounds epic. Now, will you have your, your boys? Um, will that be something that you introduce them to is the opportunity to do, you know, flight school and learn to fly planes? Like, what do you feel about that? Um, almost secretly, yeah, I, I, I haven't really told them this, but I kind of, in a way, I hope that they don't, but I oh, also, interesting. yeah, I, it has, you know, it consumed me when I was younger, you know, I, mm-hmm. like a lot of young men do, we, we let our hopes and our aspirations and our, in our jobs consume us. And it, and it becomes where it's almost difficult to separate ourselves from, uh, the, from our role, from our title. And I fell into that for a while, but I mean, besides that, it's a, it's a, it's a changing uh, industry. It's, you know, drones are coming in. Uh, it's taking a lot of the jobs that, uh, that I did when I was building fl- experience and flight time, I, I was able to get in doing and aerial photography and power line inspection and all these things that, you know, we're going to, so I, I don't know, like, however, and, and my 10 year old even doesn't really exhibit that he plans to do this, which by 10, I was pretty sure. And so he's got yeah. plenty of time to change his mind or do yeah. something. So the, I should have just said the short answer is if that's what they say, like if they believe they're supposed to do this, if they, if it becomes clear, like they were created for this, I will back them um, for sure. As it I would anything, if they, life's too short to be a lawyer, if you were called to be a, a priest, you know, or, yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, so yeah. I will back them when they figure out what it is their calling is, you know? Um, yeah. But I asked because two of my kids, I have five kids and two of them are interested in flying. So like I took them up recently with a friend who has a plane uh, recently, like a year ago. And, you know, because I had this, I don't know, I heard a podcast or something and, you know, it's kind of like a dying craft in a sense that there's mm-hmm. not a lot of pilots going in as there are retiring yeah. out. But you make a great point too, that um, a lot of the jobs are going to be replaced by it. But yeah. what a cool, 
uh, craft to have, though, anyways, you know, that ability is like, who knows how to drive a stick car anymore? Yeah. You know, it's like they're they don't they're not out there. So there's these things that because of technology and because of how simple our world gets, we kind of lose some of these things that are pretty incredible crafts. Yeah, totally. And you know, I will, I enjoy it, and I, I've taken them flying, and I do it every time I can. You know, that's one of the cool things about working for a company that's based here, because when we're doing you know, a short flight moving a helicopter around, I, I, you know, I try to grab my kids or cool. my mother-in-law and my boys came on a flight, you know, last year that we had to go do a compass check at another airport, you know? So it was like, Hey, perfect opportunity, you know, non-revenue flight, let's go. So they've both flown. They both love to fly, love, both love being in the helicopter. And I'm really looking forward to actually to getting my older son on the controls sometime soon, you know? So it'll, I, yeah, I definitely want to pass on at least a love of it, even if they don't do yeah, it for a living. Yeah, it. for sure. Yeah. Oh man, that's so cool. All right. When you think about, you know, becoming a father, uh, you've gone through a few stages already, right? Baby, um, toddler. Now you've got, you know, upper elementary. What have been some of the best resources to you as a father? Ooh, um, I wrote notes on this, uh, because I didn't want to make, make sure not to forget anything good. Um, definitely the community. Um, I've been, I've grown up or at least since I was in junior high and on, I've, I've been involved in, in the church, you know, basically mm -hmm. since I was a teenager and I have been very fortunate to be in the company of not just, uh, religious people, but people who are just like really passionate for living their life for God, you know? Nice. And, yeah. and, and I, so I would say the community at large has been the, the best resource, um, but there's just been a handful of people have stepped into my life and kind of, you know, mentored me, whether it was formally or not, uh, pastors, coworkers. I've got a mentor that's a pilot that, that retired recently that uh, he's just a really faithful guy, just, you know, golden human being. And like he and his wife have grandkids of their own. I'm not even related to him, but they'll go out of their way to to uh, help us out or be there for us and stuff. So the encouragement of, of the community, you know, that, that I've grown up around. Um, but in recent years, uh, books um, have been really good. I, I'm in, I'm in, I do a lot of traveling. So audio books have been really good for me. Nice, uh, and yeah. that, that's kind of how I got into podcasts. And then I'm not trying to be flattering, but this has been, this podcast has been, uh, extremely helpful for me. I, I've probably been on to this for probably about nine months or so. Did you start it about a year ago? Is that roughly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Father's day, 2019. Okay. So, so I mean, I'm kind of like always waiting for the next one to drop and looking yeah, forward rad, to it, man. I appreciate that. That's yeah. Cool. And, and so the stories of, so really what that is, is a, a, I guess kind of lends itself to fathers and, and men sharing their experiences in my community in life and then totally. hearing them share stories with you there, I mean, there's been literal days I've been down or frustrated about something related to my fatherhood or life. And then like that same day, even just a, earlier today, someone has said something in conversation with you that I'm like, man, that guy was real when he said that. And, and that hits me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm normal. This is a normal thing, you know? So yeah. It's crazy. It's like, I wish, I wish that that sort of community happened more in person, like podcasts and like, dude, it's so rad. We could go listen and see like anybody that we look up to as a mentor, we could go find content from them online, which is incredible, you know, but it, at least sometimes in my experiences in the church, you know, sometimes I 
and this isn't clowning at all. I love it. It's great. But sometimes you aren't always as authentic or as vulnerable as or as real, you know, nor do us men really make the time, you know, uh, to sit around the fire like we would maybe hundreds of years ago, you know, in a village and share the stories from the day and all grow from each other. So it's the beauty of the podcast. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's how we grow. Right. And you're saying mm. this. It's it's mentors. It's stories. Um and we need those things. So I guess however we can get it is good. Totally. But uh, yeah, yeah, man, those are just such good resources. We definitely have to surround ourselves with those things. Yeah. When, when you think about the role of the father, what do you think the role of the father is? Uh, well, <laughs> I've as I'm mulling over this, this is sort of like the all-encompassing to – quite literally teach our children everything. I mean, it, it's, it's so important. Um, I, it's hard to think of a more important role in a, in a person's life than that, except for their mother. I mean, it's like, yeah. basically, uh, you know, they're, yeah. they're obviously a parallel. Uh, so I would say to put it into to concise words, I, to believe in, to believe in your kids um, and like to make sure that they know that you're their biggest fan. I heard, uh, another one of your, uh, guests talk about that recently. And, and just, I'm realizing that, um, lately that to be, that I need to be kind of exploiting more a bias for my kids. Like when, when I, mm. when I get a chance and, and one of my best friends really models this really well, like when he, he talks up his kids and when, when they were younger and I was younger, I thought, man, that, that seems a little overboard, you know? And, and I've realized like, no, he's like just all in for his kids and has huge dreams for his kids. And he really inspires me. And he's, he's like my best friend. So it's like, I have a best friend hero father, you know, it's pretty cool to That's have, awesome. but, but I've, you, you gotta be like in your kid's corner behind them, believing in them because people who have done that in my life, um, both my dad and people who were kind of mentoring me who have said, I believe in you. And, you know, uh, in fact, my wife's uncle, he's, I've known him since I was a teenager because we've been together for so long. He's always told me, you know, I don't worry about you. You're going to be all right. You know, no, come what may in the world, you're going to, you're going to do all right. And he, even if he wasn't knowing he was doing so, he was being a father-like person when he did that. Yeah. And that's yeah. what, that's what the role of father is to, to, to bet, to go all in on their kids, to put their, stick their neck out and say, Hey, uh, I I'll give anything for you because I believe in you and you're going to take the torch and you're going to run with it further than I will go. You know, dude, I love it. And I love what your uncle or your, your wife's uncle said, because he just spoke life into you. Yeah. Right. And I don't, I don't think we always realize the power of our words, but he chose to see something in you that maybe you didn't see yeah, and then acknowledge it and then tell you. And then when somebody plants a seed like that, especially an older man, yeah, dude, it took that seed. Then if we, if we choose to hear the words and go, Whoa, I guess that's true. Then yeah. we water that. And all of a sudden we become this thing that somebody else saw. And so I think, dude, how encouraging for us, because that was an uncle who's not even related to you really. And so fatherhood isn't just 
I have kids, you have kids. It's really a posture or position in the world to go. I could go be a father to anybody. Uh, if I want to go speak life into people. Totally. You know, I, I, I feel like we don't realize, uh, sometimes how much the words that we speak to our kids, how much it impacts them. And I, when he started saying things like that to me, I was probably in my young twenties and I was, you know, this guy trying to establish himself in his career, flight instructing, but you know, not able to make the ends meet with that. So doing web development and IT and graphic design, all these things on the side, basically holding out all these tasks to make sure that I could keep flying and building my time. And, and for him to say that to me when it was a time in my life that I was like uncertain, I'm not even sure I would have bet on myself. I didn't even know this was all stuff was going to work out. And for him to say that, you know, like, and, and for us to say those things to our kids when they're young, uh, they carry a lot of weight to them and they inspire them. And they look at us with these sort of like uh, faith, like a child, you know, you know, in some ways naive, but do you remember what you looked at? Like your, your parents, when, when you were like in the single digits of age and they're in their thirties and you, you kind of think, Oh, parents, when they're old in their thirties, have it all figured <laughs> out and everything's oh, organized boy. and they pay their bills and all stuff. And then I got to 30 and realized like, I'm just, I don't think I got it all figured out yet. Like I, I, I thought I was gonna be more grown up than this. So there's this, there's this aspect that gets leveraged when we talk to our kids and make declarations to them and tell them that they're doing something right or that we're proud of them and that they're, that they're, you know, like it just boom, like it just jet fuel for them, you know, Dude, it's, it's, like, powerful. it's so yeah. powerful. And that's the thing is as dads, it's like, we have the opportunity to speak life or speak death and destruction into them. Totally. Right. So yeah. it's a, it's, it's heavy, but I don't think that it's a weight that should be, make us nervous or be like, Oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do because really when you act the part, dude, you feel good about yourself, Yeah, which is really what we all want. Right. Um, All right, man, you know it. This is the fatherhood field notes podcast. We're already doing it right. 20 minutes in and we're just sharing stories, sharing life. And the mantra behind it is rebel and create. And you could be rebelling against something like your cell phone at dinner time, or you could be rebelling against, you know, masculinity in America. Um, but with that is instead of just, you know, posting on Facebook, how much you don't like something, <laughs> yeah. what do you create out of that? So what's something currently or, you know, lifelong that you're rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that? Well, um, as I have been going through my own journey and started out, uh, sort of a young father with a lot of self doubt and still trying to figure out myself and, and, and what I, what I believed about life and everything. Um, and then having huge victories in that and growth and people investing in me in that way. Um, I would say that the idea that one of them that I'm rebelling against is that the idea that, that anybody doesn't have it in them to be a good father, to, mm. to, to be the father they were created to be. Uh, because there was a time where I believed that probably um, I was, going to try my best to beat the odds, but the chances are my kids are probably going to get the shaft because I was, you know, starting with a, with a poor hand or something, you know? And why, uh, what gave you that belief? Um, just, you know, I personally did not have my dad around a whole lot when I was young in real formative years. Um, and I do now, and it's been really great as, uh, as a, a adult father, and he's been more present and we, 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 we speak a lot more. But when I was a kid, you know, I, 
due to his absence in part and, and other aspects of my upbringing, I probably just wasn't sure. I hadn't really been told, hey, you got what it takes and you can do this. And um, I had these these convictions that I knew what I, I kind of wanted to achieve in my life, but not really believing all the while that I could do it. And that even included fatherhood. Um, I was, I told my wife when we were just dating, like we were really clear and serious about our relationship from a really young age that, that I was looking forward to having a family, you know, like I wasn't one of those young guys looking, you know, thinking, I'm not sure I want to have kids and which is totally fine. Like I, I respect that, but like I was the only child in a single parent household. And I, I coveted the family units of my friends, even across the street or whatever, yeah. um, which, which, what I, which that I found were healthy, um, not perfect, but, and also sort of like allowed me to be in and be part of the family dinner and all that stuff. So, so as a young kid, I knew uh, the importance or, or maybe I didn't know the importance. I just knew what it felt like to be around that family and to be uh, like invited to that table. And then, and my grandparents, you know, were uh, a solid, you know, rock and whatever. We had our family, you know, nearby and stuff. So, so I had that, but I really wanted that. So um, maybe because I didn't witness it firsthand in my own household, I didn't think that it was possible, but I've come now to believe that like uh, given the right pursuits and surrounding yourself with the right people. And in my case, you know, a relationship walking with God and having him, you know, <laughs> being giving me awesome providence in my life. I, I mean, my wife is one of the biggest things in that way, but like so much grace, so much learning that's gone on that, um, that I really do believe that anybody who makes a child is, is capable of becoming the father that they're supposed to be you know, now. So I'm rebelling against that idea, that doubt, that whatever hand I was dealt will determine the destiny that, that I, I'm, I'm going to live out. Yeah. The outcome. So I got a question then. So, you know, from, from, from being a kid, your dad's not around, you know, you have your grandparents that are solid, you have, you know, neighbor, you go over and you have dinner and it's like, oh man, everything seems cool. So you always wanted a family. Did yeah. you have that self doubt when you're like getting married oh crap, I'm not going to be a good husband or father? Or was it when all of a sudden kids about to come and you go, oh my gosh, I had planned, I wanted a family, but now I don't feel equipped. Like when was that self-doubt there? Mm. Yeah, um, I don't think I had the self-doubt at the very beginning. There was those moments, you know, my wife was walking down the aisle. There's those little fleeting moments. You're like, oh my gosh, what am I, what am I doing? Not doubt like I shouldn't do this. It was almost, it was maybe a little more like, uh, is she making a mistake? Am I, am I worthy of her? Look at her, you know, whatever. But um, no, it was, it was, so my first son was born and I was 26, you know? And so I would still say I was becoming an adult or still growing, you know, I'm, I'm only 10 years older than that now. And I still have a lot to learn, but um, the doubt. Yeah. I think it was just kind of latent in there. I think it, it, it wasn't exactly just centered on parenting. It, it, it was, it was things that I was yet to still go through and dragons I was yet to slay, uh, in my own personal life, how I viewed my profession, my, my ability to rise to the challenges of my job of, of, of anything of, of making a decent wage or paying bills on time or, or changing the alternator in my car. It was, it was uh, how I viewed my own abilities on all things. And so then it kind of colored my, my, cause I held fatherhood in such high regard that 
if you know, if I was questioning whether I really wanted Endeavor and changing out an alternator on my own car, not being a professional mechanic, then I certainly had doubt in my arrival yeah. coming to the to the you know, a, you know, stepping up to be a good father. So it was it was all part of it. Yeah. So I think you know all of us men at some extent you know, wrestle with a identity piece. Right. And so, uh, at what point does it change from, I guess, holding you back from being yourself to, okay, I embrace that there are questions I still have. Right. Mm-hmm. And I still want validation and security. Um, but was there any kind of transition where, where I don't want to say like this confidence, like, oh, I've got it all figured out now. But you had this sense of like, okay, I'm embracing, I guess, the vulnerable journey of growth, right? There's yeah. always growth because you kind of said it before when we used to look at 36 year olds, we're like, and their parents were like, oh my gosh, they have it all figured out. Well, come to find out once you arrive, you don't have it all figured out. Yeah. <laughs> life yeah. is life and life is full of growth. But I do think that the doubt can hold us back. So was there a moment where you overcame allowing the doubt to hold you back? I don't know if there was an exact moment, but I know it was probably sometime in the last couple of years. Um, So my kids were already probably seven or eight and five or six by the time, like I I really started gaining ground on that. Um, The last year has been really awesome for me in a lot of ways, just kind of in, in leaning into some of these challenges and fatherhood being one of them. So there's like a synergy. I I, want to, I want to answer that question with something I think is actually useful that I I can't pinpoint the moment or, you know, then there might be one if I do a little more searching, but I feel like that, that kind of turning point for a confidence in, in fatherhood um, happened very quickly once deciding to engage in, in getting after it. So like, so then what was that moment that you decided? Like, what was the thing that, not that you were a deadbeat dad, right? Yeah. You're like, I don't want to be a mediocre dad. What was the trigger for that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I, I can't, I can't, I don't, I think it actually started more in my own personal pursuits thinking that, um, maybe it was unrelated to fathering and then, and then the ground that I gained in my like just personal life. Uh, so you started to chase or pursue, like, Hey, I'm an adult now, or I'm a man now. And there's certain aspects of me that don't feel that way. Yeah. So I'm going to go get the skills to figure that out. You know, I I don't want to bring it back to my career exactly. Uh, but I will say it was coinciding with say like probably three or four years ago, I'd kind of gotten to a point in my career that was notable. Like if I was standing outside of myself or as if I was a peer to myself and I looked at where I had gotten to, I would probably say to my buddy, I would say, dude, like you really like you made it, man. Like you, you, you've gotten to this, you're working amongst like some of the best, the best now. And, and, and meanwhile, uh, I was at that point and not feeling that way about myself. And that was sort of like a trigger to me go like, Hey, the the feelings about myself are not matching up with what I, what I, I think if I was to write out on paper, I could actually, if I, if I wrote my memoir for myself, Yep. I would probably have to face like you've actually kind of leveled up and you've made it and you've worked hard and it's worked, but you don't feel it. So that was a, it was like a signal to me that like, uh, you, you need to kind of look into this and why you feel this way about yourself. And also, by the way, it's probably also why you feel that way about your fathering too. So you might want to get into this, you know? So like, Dude, 
that dude that's so good because I think so many of us, we feel like our career is going to be the thing that makes me feel like I've made it. Yeah. Right. And so it's cool as you came to this place where you're like, I've made it on paper. And yeah. when I look at the dude that's in the same position as me, I'm like, damn, that guy has yeah. got it. Yeah. So people looked at you the same way, but internally you're going, mm, I'm vulnerable, vulnerable enough to admit that I don't feel that way. And I would say a lot of dudes, especially between 30 and 40, are coming to the same thing. And yeah. honestly, that's probably why they're listening to this podcast. It's probably why I'm making this podcast. Totally. Right? Because I'm totally. going, dude, selling insurance doesn't make me feel like, mm, you're a badass. Yeah. <laughs> but you're flying helicopters into fires. And I go, man, if I was doing that, then I'd feel awesome. Totally. Right? But the reality is, is we, we compare ourselves, all of us compare ourselves to somebody who's two steps ahead. And I say that in air quotes, like, you know, grass is always greener, but I love it because dude, this is the journey of manhood. Mm-hmm. You know, as we're discovering who we are and it doesn't, it doesn't really come to what we do. Yeah. It's about who we are it has nothing to do with what we do. Totally. It's who are, we are. And then our actions come out of that, which I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. So when you came to this place and you're like, dude, I don't feel it. What were some of the, the steps you took you know, to go, okay, well, cause now you've on this pursuit, right? I'm on a yeah. similar pursuit. Like I just, you do one thing and it leads to another, it leads to another, it leads to another. So what were some of the first steps you took to go, dude, I want to figure myself out a bit. Okay. Well, um, so like, well, for one, I would say it's always been a practice of mine to try and surround myself with encouraging people. Right. So, so I would start to kind of gravitate towards people that would, if I felt, you know, I needed a pep talk or whatever, being around people who are going to like speak the truth that, you know, is kind of a higher truth than what you're mm-hmm. seeing in the mirror or in your doubts or in the, the lies rattling out in your head or whatever. Um, so that was kind of a, a thing that I started out with. But about two years ago, um, I stepped into a role that's more of a managerial role now. And I so I fly and I'm and a managing pilot as well. So I'm involved with hiring and training and I've never had to fire anybody, thankfully, but, you know, in theory, I would be involved with that. Um, so it, and, and at the time, exacerbated by some of these self-doubts and whatever, um, I, it, it, I was like, wow. So I'm either an extreme imposter, like I'm just totally faking it and they're going to mm. figure me out. But something inside me says that's not the truth, but some, another part of me says it is. Yeah, so, yeah. so I got to get after this. Um, so that happened a, a couple of years ago. And so that was a turning point for me that d- dictated like, you have to do this. Now, I wish that I could say that it was like something that happened with my kids a few years earlier than that. And I was like, oh, I, need, I owe it to my kids to do this or whatever. And it triggered it earlier for them. But as another guy that you recently interviewed said, it's never too late. It was never too late. So I don't, I'm not massive regret, but that it didn't get happen sooner. But that's what triggered it for me. And so what I did literally is I started, I was never the most avid reader. And I started to go, I have to start reading stuff. You know, uh, example was, huh, I guess random, but, uh, the book, um, endurance, which is about the, the, uh, Oh yeah. About the Antarctic expedition. That was yeah. like in, in all senses, it was a failure except nobody died and they went through crazy stuff. And it's a true story. And the only casualty was a guy's foot who was a stowaway onto that ship, you know? And so I, I had heard about this book and I, and someone at work actually mentioned it. And I was like, I need to know what that captain did to pick that crew and to quell those uh, infightings and how he held it together. If I can hear from his memoirs, maybe that will help me 
to like kind of sort out how I handle myself because no doubt he has reasons to doubt when he's yeah, out yeah. in the middle of Antarctica and they're out <laughs> yeah, of food right, and whatever, right. you know? So that kind of started a lot of reading for me. And that, so that was nonfiction and not necessarily a self-help book, but I wanted to be inspired and I wanted to yes. hear how, how he a hundred years ago rose to beat this, you know, and survive. Um, another book was, um, uh, the gifts of imperfection by, uh, Brene Brown, you know? Um, and, and it was like, there were some really cool nuggets in there for me that, uh, spoke about shame and identity. And, and so she called herself a shame researcher and stuff. So that was sort of like a, a non-religious book, just, just like a book talking about the stuff. So that, so basically I started to kind of really start to read a lot and, and try and soak up as much as I could. Cause I knew I, I was seeing gains when I had good influences. Um, mm. and, and, and if I tried to bootstrap it and, and do it on my own, it wasn't going anywhere kind of thing, you know? So, dude, that's so rad. Now, would you, so you're 34, 33, 34, would you have called yourself a reader at that time? No, nope. And I, I think it's a powerful statement because, yeah. I, you know, I hear dudes or people say, I think it's like, dude, like nobody reads. Yeah. Um, but when you talk to people who are really, I don't want to say like constantly leveling up and let's go just seize every single day crazy, but people who are intentional about their life yeah, are learning, right? Like I've been learning. I learned this a couple of ways last year. You don't have the skills unless you go get the skills. Like yeah. don't just think you have the skills, yeah, right? Like we all watch the movie. We all place ourselves as the hero, but I'm not John Wick unless I go train for well the rest of my life but right you you don't have the skills so how do you go get the skills and one of those tools is reading and reading is huge oh it's huge but i bring it up because if the dude's listening to this oh i'm not a reader i'm not a reader you're only a reader because you say you're not a reader just like go freaking pick up a book and read it well and i'll be honest like half of those books that i've read i didn't even name them all but um half of them were audio books too so i mean and for, that's fine, dude. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it, it's it, in some ways, you know, of all the stuff going on in the world, it's sort of a beautiful time to be alive because resources available if you choose your resources right. You know, you could be listening to an audio book. I mean, what's 20 bucks spent if it brings you life and, and helps you understand? I mean, like I, it's I, I was, a low investment. It's, it's a, a low, low investment right? for what you can get out of it. Totally. For sure. Totally. Yeah, I mean, because what am I going to go spend? I mean, I could spend 80 grand and go to Tony Robbins like a week long thing, which would be awesome. Yeah. Or I could go read every one of his books right now for maybe like 300 bucks, you know? And when you think about putting how much time and effort somebody puts into a book, I mean, dude, they're putting their best in there. Yeah. Their best. Yep. So I'd like to take a few minutes before I uh, ask my last question. I love what you're rebelling against. You know, that idea that just because I grew up basically with a single mom doesn't mean that I'm not going to be a good husband or a good father. I might have to go work a little bit at it, but that's life, right? (laughs) Everything good you have to work for. So talk about that a little bit, you know, because it's easy for me to say, Hey, if you had, you know, your childhood wasn't exactly what you want, just overcome it and then be a great dad. But you, you grew up, you know, single mom essentially. Yeah. And then decided one to overcome that. And then Mm -hmm. two, at some point reestablish a deeper relationship with your dad, which, you know, based on the tone of your voice, doesn't sound like you hold a bunch of grudge. No, no, no. So, uh, so I guess 
remind me exactly what what you're asking on that. So first talk about raising, you know, being raised with a single mom yeah. and then going into becoming a father. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of what we've been talking about, but we yeah. specifically said, yeah, I, I grew up without a dad around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I would say that what I did, um, is I kind of, I saw myself as needing to position myself vulnerably if, if, if necessary to let myself be a surrogate of other people who are willing to step in that gap for me as an adult, as an adult, even like, um, and to make it even more adverse. I mean, my wife's father died when she was in junior high. So she went through high school as a fatherless daughter, you know? Um, and she, and then, so that's kind of why her uncle in a way is like, he kind of is almost like my father-in-law in in a way. Cause that, you know, like, he kind of stepped in in a way and that, and that spot. Okay. And, um, and so I guess what I would say that I did was um, it was I'm as an extrovert. I always love people. I love being in a relationship. I loved like the, the small groups and things at church and Bible studies and all that stuff of that. So I basically uh, stepped into a lot of situations where people, where I would collide with people who want to invest in me, you know, and it, and it and it also involved a lot of just being um, just honest with uh, with people about what my experience was or what I was feeling like or whatever. And and so uh, people were able to uh, speak into me and into my life and then and kind of combat back those those doubts that I had, I guess, or or help me find that. So, you know, we live in kind of a victim world at the moment. How did you not just go, oh, my life sucks. I don't have a dad. And I'm always, you know, I guess it's just because I didn't have a dad, you know, this and that, because I didn't have it, you know, like, yeah. how did you overcome that? I mean, even when you think back to being a kid, because clearly, you know, you wanted to be a pilot and you pursued things that mattered to you before your age of 10. So, I mean, one, you probably had a strong mom, but then two, is there anything else you could think of that helped you not step into the victim role? Um, I, 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 there's no really way to beat around the bush on the fact that it was truly like my relationship with God. That is a lot of this, you know, I, I look back, um, I, I, it's been a while since I've looked at it, but I, I have a journal, um, that it seems like I've only written in, in the deepest and darkest of times, mm-hmm. you know, like, like when I felt like I had a lot that I could not figure out how to get through. And so then I was like, well, I better write it out so I can remember what I was, what this situation was like and get back at it. So I kind of need to go back in there and read some of that. So are those journal entries like prayers to God? Yes. Like they're also all written as a prayer. Literally. It's like a letter. Yeah. And then who introduced you to the idea? I mean, when, 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 how old do you think you were at that first, that first uh, journal entry? Mm, Probably 20, 22, somewhere in there, you know, like I've, I've never been like a a habitual journaler. And I, I think that would be a very good thing to do. Um, but it was more like a pivotal transitional points, you know, or I think there's too many should. So if it's a tool that works for you in the moment you need it, you know, you can go get out of the toolbox, but who introduced you to that concept in the first place? I think one of the pastors I had talked a lot about it. Um, he, uh, especially when a pastor that I had, um, that led me in a small group, uh, when I was like 19, 20 years old. So right before, uh, my wife and I got engaged and married and when we were dating and stuff, 
uh, he would talk about how journaling was really powerful to him. And so that kind of held the idea in, in high regard. And, and, you know, at that time, I probably didn't think I'd ever become anybody important or I didn't even see myself all that highly. But you also know, like, oh, there's these these autobiographies of these really important men or whatever. You could, if you could read a memoir of Abraham Lincoln yeah. or something like yeah. that, you know. So you never know what you're going to become. So you might want to write down your story in case someday you're important enough for people to want to read it. So there was this idea, like, maybe I should, should be doing this. Um, but, like, I almost... I don't know. I, I think he was the one that impressed it the most upon me. Um, but then this, you know, it probably accelerated when I was a young father and thinking like, if, if I could be vulnerable and write some of these things down in a journal someday after my death, my kids might uh, like, uh, like blow dust off this in the attic and find it and go, Whoa, dad actually struggled with that thing. Yeah, and yeah, that, yeah. that me, me too. And, you know, I don't know. Like, So do you think that going in and journaling helped? So I got two questions. Do you think that going in and journaling helped you not to be a victim of your past story? Like, is that one of the releases that you didn't carry on your shoulders? You know, that I didn't have a dad or whatever else it could be that you're going to be a victim of? Mm, possibly, you know, I, I think most of my entries are probably prior to being a father, actually. So I, um, I don't know if it, it was more about masculinity. Yeah. And, yeah. So yeah. then during your high school years, were you ever like a victim about not having a dad at home? No, I don't think I realized when I was in high school, how much, uh, the, that situation was going to have an effect on me. Like I, I actually, uh, I probably thought I, I probably thought I was okay at that point, you know, and the next decade, to be quite honest, I probably spent not being okay. And trying to just kind of hold down the fort and spin all the plates on the sticks, like the show, you know, yeah. the Vegas show. Um, and and my wife was a great mirror to me, like, hey, this isn't cool. Like, you know, I mean, some of it manifested in anger and and uh, you know, um, trying to control uncontrollable variables, bring bring trying to bring order into my life and our marriage, or such, you know try to be more dominating because I felt out of control and all this stuff, like all this stuff that people who have hurts and, and that are broken do, you know, until yeah. they, until they get the healing and get the grace that they need to, to kind of get through that and get over it. So my twenties were largely that, that time period where I was, you know, my wife and I would both admit like the first five years of our marriage was like rough, man. It was like, you know, it's a miracle that she stuck it out with me, you know? And then the next 10 have, were, have been like, especially the last five, but the next 10 were like turning a corner and growing up and realizing where we were, I was wrong, where, where I needed to grow up and where, uh, we could do things. I could do things a lot better. So yeah, I, I, I could have felt like I was a victim, but I really felt like I was onto something in that, like I found what I thought was who I wanted to marry at such a young age. And we were going to get on, we were going to take on the world together. We we're going to do this. Um, in a way we did, but we still had a lot to grow through together. So then how, you know, you, you know, how did you stay together in a world that if it's not, you're not feeling it, then just get out. Yeah. So, you know, you said the first five years were rough. What yeah. was the thing that made you keep coming back going, we're going to figure this out. We're going to stick yeah. together. We're going to solve this, you know, to then, you know, yeah. yeah. now, now you are where you are. Um, to be to give credit where credit is due, a lot of that has to do with how dedicated she was to mm. to, to backing to backing me to backing our marriage. Uh, it would be 
I, I may have been a young, dumb idiot at that in my young twenties, but I could see how, how good she was for me to me, you know? So, so like, um, so but, in the chaos, you still respected that and understood yeah. that gift yeah. of the solid woman that you had in your life. When we got together, I mean, the night that I met her, which was like on the street and a whole different story to tell, but it's not, we don't have time for that. But um, very quickly, I professed how serious I felt about her. And if you, if you, I know you have a teenage daughter. If you heard the things that I said to her, if it was coming from some other dude to your daughter, you'd be like, this kid doesn't come near. But they <laughs> weren't were sexual or whatever. I'm just saying like, I was smitten with her. And now hindsight is 2020. And, but like, she opened up with me the first time I met about who she was and what her faith. And I had, mm. I didn't know any other girls that were so what I thought was so authentic about their faith and who they really were. Um, and we went to different high schools and stuff. And so the fact that we met was really cool. But, um, in, in our, in our dating relationship, we were clear up front that we were dating to have dating for a mate, you know, like it wasn't, we were just kind of like playing around and maybe we'll go to prom together or whatever. Although, you know, I wouldn't necessarily advocate to my kids looking for a mate in high school. Um, that's what happened. And so we were so always you say you would advocate for it or wouldn't. I, I, I'm not going to tell my kids to look for their <laughs> wife in high school. However, <laughs> however, if they decide they want to date, that they'd be serious about following up with it. You know, like don't yeah, don't don't have a committed relationship fun. that you plan to discard in six months or something. You know? mm, but yeah, good. But, so we were clear in the beginning that we were serious about marriage and relationships, and so that's what we were pursuing. And we didn't declare from day one that this is where that's going to end, but that's what we were in it for. And then as we got serious about getting, you know, uh, about getting engaged and, and getting married, it was always a declaration for us that divorce was never going to be an option. Powerful, so, man. so we said that from the beginning. Um, and I, I can honestly say I have had few moments where that even entered the thought because even those heated arguments and those times it ends up with somebody leaving the house and having to go blow off some steam somewhere or whatever. Um, there's the, she's, we've always been, I think that foundation to each other, like, you know, our, our best advocate. So, you know, she, uh, I would say the, our, the key to our success is that we, we, we learn to both become advocates for each other to make sure that like whatever I'm doing is propelling her to be able to achieve all that she's supposed to do and, and her to me. And she basically put the first 10 years into me and establishing my career, which at times, any wise person would have said, you should quit this, man. This is like not working out for you. Like you're having all these closed doors and it's not going anywhere and you're not making a decent income. Why don't you just go work with the web and computers and just, you know, and so any good friend probably would have told me to do that, but she stuck it out with me and supported me. And then it was kind of like a couple of years ago when our kids both got into school full time, it was kind of like, now it's her decade. It was time, it was time. Like she has a lot of dreams that she's yet to, to do. And so it was like, Hey, I'm, I'm, this is coming late, but I'm behind you hundred percent. So that's mm. kind of, that was the key. Like you have to have that, you know, that I want everything for you, not just what I can gain from you. Like I, I, I want, I want to, to go broke if it takes it to, uh, propel your dreams, your in career ministry and whatever. And, and that in return comes from her too. And so it's like, I don't know. That's, that's an incredible thing to point out 
is is a lot of us i mean not all of us right but 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 many of us the man has been the one who has kind of been supported a lot by the wife yeah. especially as you have little kids most yeah. homes the wife the mom did most you know did a lot you're out there working and i think you know that you get to this comfortable spot all of a sudden where it's like okay cool i'm making a decent living now we're all comfortable and then we forget all yeah. that hard work, all the kind of like broke making, you know, making what we could work to then when you get to that spot, go, Hey, what's your dream? What's your passion? What? And then her, pushing her, if you will, to go, well, shoot, I don't know. I, I haven't really had an identity the last 10 years. I kind of been mom because that's, you know, something that I've talked about with my wife a lot is like, dude, our oldest is eight. Now we got five. Okay. How can I, how can I invest in what's important to you? So I just love that you're on that same thing as you realize what happened the last 10 to 15 years. And I would just say to all dudes listening to that, take a step back, pursue your wife. If you go ask her, what's your dream right now? She's probably not going to have one, but if you keep pursuing that and, and encouraging that, then that might be discovered. And what a powerful gift to give back to your spouse. Well, and I, I have to say too, we, we are kind of like the two of us are nerds for mental health and relational health. I mean, it's like, it's a thing. So my wife has a, a, a degree in psychology, her undergrad studies, and she worked in counseling at our church when we were in Reading. Um, and we have found that maybe it was by deliberate action or not. We have found that we end up being this these this couple that uh, people gravitate, friends gravitate to kind of confess that they're like on the rocks. Or, I mean, there was even somebody I haven't even known very long that opened up to me last summer that he was in that situation. And immediately that calls out something in me to go, uh, this is the guy you're supposed to advocate for. You're supposed to get behind with him and pray with him and talk with him and not tell him what to do, but offer a shoulder to lean on to talk to whatever. But we, in our younger years, uh, like for instance, we we went through this long season where we we wanted to soak up any curriculum that we felt was legit mm. that was good for marriages and for parenting. We were we were young parents in Redding, California, and going to the defining the relationship class for dating people who are trying to figure out whether they're going to end this courtship or dating or whatever they want to call it or go into marriage. And we're like, we're already married and we're already committed, but we want to learn more about this, you know? So we're going to this class. You guys you know? went all in on some yeah. stuff to just yeah. like soak it all up. And it was like, hey, there's this class at church or whatever. And does it have childcare? Yes. Okay, we're going. Sign up, you know? <laughs> so like our, our first son was in childcare. Well, we're going to this thing. And there's like all these 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds in there. And we're like 27, 28 with kids, kid and, and married already, you know? Uh, we did we did uh, marital, like, um, uh classes for married people and uh, retreats. And we basically, because we knew it was on our life to be part of this advocating for marriages that we could gain a ton and that we could gain it to give it, you know? So it's, so, and this, this, this chapter, this last year, especially diving heavily into the subject matter that we're talking about and the subject matter these guys are sharing about when they come on with you and talk um, has been an extension of that. And, and I, I didn't see that coming. I thought this was more like a relational ministerial thing. Uh, but it has, I have realized like there's a lot that I have, have come through in, in personally and, and in fatherhood that's meant to be shared. And I think you share that because you're doing the same, obviously you're wanting yeah. to help springboard this for other people. So, so yeah, like, uh, if that could be rolled into a, a nugget of advice, I just say like somebody it find themselves 
up against this and finding that if it, you know, if you don't already have a naturally strong family sewing into you, I have friends who do, who like go to their family every Friday night to their parents' house for, you know, Boise State football games and night. And it's like grandma's there and there's like three or four generations there and they all hang out and they're really tight. I don't, I don't have quite that family unit with the built-in support. That's, that's okay. But if you don't have that already, and even if you do, seek out all of the resources that you can where someone might be sewing into you as a father and to you as a husband uh, or, or wife, for that matter, and, and, take, and soak it all up. Any sage that wants to lend uh, you know, their ear to you and, and give you nuggets, take it. You know? Yeah, man. And I just, I mean, I think you're creating that right now. You look at your story and everybody's story, you can choose to either be a victim or you can choose to go make create what you want, you know, and you take your story and go, okay, single mom grew up that way. My wife. Okay. Her dad passed away in middle school, like awful years. Right. And so I could choose to be a victim and choose to go in, but instead I'm going to go and I'm going to go create the family that I want to have. And I'm going to go figure out the skills that I don't have. I'm going to go figure that out. And so I think it's just so critical for dudes listening because that was what you said was your rebel against. Yeah. Your story doesn't dictate your future. No, no. Uh, and so I, I kind of broke it down into three things and I wrote down some notes and, and, and we already covered the first two. And the third one is that, that, you know, um, I wanted, I want to rebel that against the idea that good legacies can't be started today. Like they mm. can absolutely be started right now. Like someone, someone who just happened upon this right now, either there's going to be somebody who listens to this and they're going to go, man, I'm in this weird spot. And someone said to listen to this podcast. And like, you've said it before. Other guys have said it before. It's not too late and you can do it right now. And the man, the returns I have seen on my children's faces when I've had a good day of, of, or even a good moment of, of doing not just what I feel, but what I know is right for them. You know, like um, just leaning into just being there for them and listening or whatever. And then watching over the course of like a week of, of, of applied effort in the right way, the, the countenance change on my 10 year old's face going from a kid who who maybe when he saw me really angry going through a rough patch last week to really trying to, you know, have some quality time with him and read with him and and hang out and and reaffirm him and seeing that the change in his face and how he, he doesn't know it, the nuances, he's so young, but, but I'm seeing the, the anticipation from him that, that when he sees me and I walk in the door that there's my dad, he's a good dad. Like I can see it reflecting back at me. I'm not saying it to pat myself on the back, but when you see those dividends, those changes in your kids, man, like it's quick huge. and kids are quick to forgive and they're quick to, move on. And again, another guy was talking about this lately too. And I'm on the podcast and I'm like, it's so true. And, um, it's not something to be abused, you know, to, to abuse that sure. growth that kids have, but just know, like, if you just do a 180 or even a 90 degree turn right now, like the, your kids will grow like weeds. You will grow like a weed as a father, as a person. So it's not too late. Like you can, you can establish legacy now, right now. Dude, which is perfect. The legacy, you know, to lead into my last question, which is about legacy. And it's imagine yourself, you know, 50 years from now, 50 years from now, peering into the homes of your kids, 
maybe even, you know, grandkids, you know, you got grandkids. What is it that you see in your children that, you know, those day in, day out decisions of coming home, stoked, walking through the door, intentional, uh, waking up engaged, Mm -hmm. you know, what is it that you see in their homes that, you know, your day in, day out decisions as a father is now being lived out by them? Yeah. Um, I, I envision them, I, I envision myself observing them being patient parents who enjoy the presence of their kids Mm. and, and, and they, as fathers, uh, they, they're confident in who they are, that they know that they're loved and accepted, you know, by their own father, by their heavenly father too. You know, that's, that's a huge part of our role is like introducing them to what is truth. What, where did this all come from? And why, what, you know, we might be pursuing the ultimate answer to the meaning of life, but forever, but we, hopefully whatever we've gained, we pass on to them. And that, and that I see, observe them being brave, faithful men who who are pursuing. And I want to say also that who, who treat their wives really well, that support them, that, that they, they honor them, they hold them up. Um, you know, I've, I, I have a theologically a lot different perspective, you know, I guess than I did when I was younger, we all do things, things grow, whatever. But, but my, I don't, I do. I, if I see myself as a leader in my household, that is a challenge and a charge more than it is a title. Like I, I'm not leveraged above my wife. Right. I have the responsibility right. to be a leader and a, and a true leader is a servant. So if, if I, if I affect my kids in the right way, then they will be servant leaders in their household. Mm. And when their wife is right, they will admit it. You know, they will let their wife have, have authority when, uh, or propel, not even let, but propel her into uh, the authority that she deserves in her household uh, when that's appropriate. And, and when they have to step into an authoritative role, they'll do it lovingly and gently, you know, because that's, I guess that's what I've learned in this process is like, my wife is awesome and I am not over her. I am, if anything, under her, but when she needs me to be above her or stronger than her, then I'm there for that. Yeah, dude, that's powerful. Oh man, Kyler, talking fatherhood, talking life, talking masculinity, talking marriage. Dude, it's been such a treat to talk about life with you. I just commend you, bro, for for doing the work, for putting the work to not letting the past dictate the future and for being a light and an encouragement to all other dudes who may be hanging on to their story, who may be hanging on to their past, who need to let it go and then rebel against that, tear that down and then go create the fatherhood, the family, the legacy that they desire. So Bro, thank you so much and continue to raise your boys well and uh, have that father position to everything you attack throughout your life and throughout your day. Thanks, man. It's uh, it's a it's an honor and a privilege to be here and I hope for hope my story helps someone else too. They, they, they've got what it takes. Dude, yes. What a great last statement. You have what it takes. 
What another great conversation. I so loved talking to Kyler, learning about his life and the work that he has done to be the husband, father that he desires to be. Man, we all have it in us. We have what it takes. Hey, every Monday I put out the Fatherhood Field Notes podcast interviewing great dads like Kyler. If you're interested in a shorter podcast, I put one out every Friday. It falls under the same spot, Rebel and Create, but it's called Craft of Fatherhood and I just discuss different topics. So if there's something you want to hear me talk about, I don't have all the answers, but I'd love to talk about whatever's on your mind. Shoot me an email, net at rebelandcreate.com. I want to say thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. And please, if you're on iTunes, take a moment, write a review. It helps spread the word that fatherhood matters. Talk to you next time. Oh, 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 o